So we're starting a new series today called Relativity, and we're going to talk about four skills that help us improve our relationships. And I thought this would be a good thing for us to talk about because more and more of our relating to one another is, is happening through technology. And there are just some basic skills about face-to-face -face relationship that I think we're in danger of losing. So it's important to come back to those from time to time and just remind ourselves of you know, how, how we still can relate to each other uh, in, in real time. So we, we call this series Relativity. And I'm, I'm sure that many of you are wondering, like, what could the connection be between the theory of relativity and talking about relationships? So I want to just take a few moments to explain that. And I'll, I'll just kind of start with explaining some of the basic principles behind the theory of relativity. I know this is really elementary for, for all of you in the room, but some people listen online and they, they probably aren't up to speed on that. So it's really for, for their benefit. So, so this theory of relativity kind of sprung from this, this thought that the, it seemed that the speed of light changed based on what medium it was going through. And so Einstein really challenged that idea. He said, I don't think it's the speed of light that is changing, but it's our perception of the, the speed of light. And so he actually proved that the speed of light is constant. And actually, the laws of physics are constant, regardless of what medium, what environment they're operating in. What is relative is our perception and our understanding of those, those laws. That can fluctuate. So how this applies to relationships is that there are some laws of relationship, of how we relate to each other. Those laws are constant, regardless of what environment we find ourselves in. So you may be uh, with your family, you may be in your workplace, you may be you know, in church, you may be with your neighbors, you may be you know, wherever you are, these laws operate. Um, they're, they're always consistent. What is different is our perception of what is going on in the relationship. And I, I don't know if you've experienced this, but usually anytime you have two people, your perception of what is going on as you're relating at that moment can be pretty, pretty different. That's what is relative. So we're talking about uh, relationships here. This is kind of a good time of year, I think, to talk about relationships because we're entering into the holiday season, as Chuck said earlier, and most of us will spend more time with our family during the holidays than we typically do throughout the year. And in fact, you'll probably spend time with relatives that you don't normally spend time with. And so as we go into the holidays, these will be some practical things that, that could help you. Because if you're anything like me, you, you may have kind of a hodgepodge of feelings as you think about the, uh, the holidays coming up and the people that you're going to relate to. I mean, on the one hand, you may be anticipating seeing some people and doing some of the things that come with the holidays. And on the other hand, there could be a little bit of dread. There could be like, oh, yeah, you know, I mean, I know some of you are dealing with blended families. That can be a real challenge at holidays to kind of figure out how to navigate all of those relational dynamics. And most families have like one of those relatives, you know, it's like, that relative, you know, crazy Uncle Harry, if your name's Harry, this is nothing personal, I'm not thinking of anybody in particular. But, you know, we have like this relative who kind of always seems to bring up controversial topics to talk about at the dinner table. 
Or they're always the, the person that finds something to criticize or critique about something that's going on in your life, okay? Some, some of you, I know, body language, you're, you're tracking with what I'm talking about. I'll just share with you a little snapshot out of my own background and just some of the angst around holidays. I grew up with a, a mom who dealt a lot with depression. And I want to be really careful in, in how I communicate this because I, want to, I don't want to dishonor her in any way. She's passed several years ago. I'm not saying this to dishonor her, but just to give you a little window into to my world as I was growing up. She, she dealt a lot with depression, and particularly it seemed like uh, during the holidays. And so uh, she would oftentimes just get into a, a fury over something and start just taking it out on my dad, just verbally. She would just be yelling at him. And I remember one particular uh, holiday when she was just going on about how all of her friends were uh, having all of their families for the holidays. And it was like the picture perfect, everybody around the table kind of thing. And she was bemoaning the fact that, that all of her kids were not going to be there for, for the holidays. I have three older siblings, and at that time they were scattered around across the country, and there was probably a reason, quite honestly, why they were scattered across the country. But she, she was taking this all out on my dad, and she was saying, you're the reason why, you know, we, we can't spend the holidays together as a family. And, and the truth of the matter probably was it had more to do with her of, of why they were not going to be there. But I grew up with that where it's like I would look forward to the holidays because there's so much to enjoy about it. And yet there was this other side of it in how, how, how do I navigate that. And what, what I see as I look back at that is I could not change that situation. Like I couldn't change my mom. Just, just like you can't change certain people, you know, or anybody really, you know, in your family. We can't change those things, but I could have changed my perspective on what was, was going on. And I didn't have the maturity, I didn't have the tools uh, to look back uh, to be able to do that at that time. But if I had known then, and if we could grab hold of now, these, these laws of how to relate to each other, we could put them into practice. And I, I wonder if God may not want to use each of us to, to do something special in our families this year. We, we won't change everything. We won't make it all better. But wouldn't it be great if we could breathe some hope and some life and some peace into our families this holiday season uh, so we're going to talk today about how to do that uh, with our words. So if you would take a Bible and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to be in Ephesians. We're going to look at primarily one verse today, Ephesians 4.29. And as you're turning there, I want to just uh, let you in on something that is happening, something else that's happening around here uh, related to relationships. If any of you got coffee this morning at our coffee area out here, you probably noticed that the foyer is looking a little bit different than it normally does. And over the next several weeks, it's going to look even, even more different because we're, we're making some changes out there. Let me just tell you what we're doing and why we're, we're making that change. So what we're going to do is we're going to take out that curved wall 
and we're gonna kind of refinish the wall behind it and put down some new flooring, and then we're gonna put in some, some tables and chairs and just make that more of a cafe area. This, this picture is just kind of artist rendering. It's not gonna look exactly like that. We're not sure exactly how it's gonna be finished out yet, but we're gonna figure that out in the next couple of weeks, and it's, it's gonna look great. But the reason why we're, we're doing this is not just to make this area look better, although in my opinion, it will look better. Like, I can't wait to be able to actually see out that window that's behind the wall that, that's covering it up, so for, for example. But we're really not doing it just to, to make the building look better. We're really doing it because we want to create more space where people can connect with, with each other. I mean, one of my observations as I came in, I've been here just about two years, is we really don't have a lot of space in our building to just kind of hang out and talk with people. And so what ended up happening is we come in on a Sunday morning, we kind of breeze past each other, how are you doing? And oh, I'm fine, and we just keep going. And what we wanted to do is create at least a small space, what we have to work with, to, to make the statement, this is important to, it's important to us to help, help you connect with each other. Uh, that's one of our, our primary activities that we encourage as we're helping people become more fully committed followers of Christ, is uh, to worship, connect, serve and share. And, and so we have a unique opportunity as a church to, to really help people connect face to face. I mean, I don't know if you have ever thought about this. There's a lot of things that we do as a church that actually can be done from home. And actually people are doing them now from home, like to listen to messages online, listen to praise music, online. People can find childcare out in the community. So a lot of people can do things outside of the church. One of the unique things, opportunities that we have as a church is to, to help people come together and connect in, in community. And so we wanted to create more of a space to say this is an important value to us. So be watching for those changes in the foyer here over the next couple of weeks to come. And uh, another note on that is in case you're wondering, it is all paid for, so we're not asking for money. We had set aside some money in reserve last year for this, and then we had a couple of donations toward this as well. So it's all paid for. You don't have to worry about that. You can just get to enjoy it in the weeks to come. All right, so today we're going to talk about relating to each other. We're going to talk about talking, okay? Ephesians 4, 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. All right, so kind of a simple command. Um, sometimes it's harder to practice than it is to understand what's going on here. But this, this command comes in a list of just very practical, everyday kind of commands that all follow a same format. They talk about what not to do, what to do, and then why we would do it differently. And so all of this flows out of verse 22. If you go back to Ephesians 4.22, it says, We are to put off our old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So as scripture lays out for us what, what a transformed life looks like, a transformed life begins as we come into relationship with Jesus Christ and he changes our heart. And then the process of life change happens as we put off what is old and we change the way we think 
and then we put on something that is new. Put off old behavior, put on new behavior, and we have a different thinking in that process. So that's what we see going on in verse 29, specifically related to our speech. So there's something that we're not going to do. So we're going to unpack this and kind of look at each one of these pieces here. So there's something that we are to not do. Don't do this. The first part of verse 29 says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. Okay, no corrupting talk. That word corrupted is really interesting because it's used, this is the only time in the New Testament it's used figuratively. Most of the time it's used very literally and sometimes used for spoiled fish. And so I thought it might be helpful for you to get a sense of what spoiled fish is, is like. And so we've actually got some little baggies with spoiled fish that we're going to pass around. Now, I just need to tell you this before it starts coming around. Um, do not open the bag, okay? All right, these are two, it's two-week-old fish. It does smell bad, so I think you'll be able to smell it through the, the thing. If you just want to pass it on really quick, uh, that's okay. But I wanted you to, to just get a sense of when we talk about, wow, okay, yes, it, some people are passing it really, really fast. Um, I wanted you to get a sense of when we are talking and corrupting. <laughs> wow, I'm losing, I'm losing, guys. All right, we'll reel it back in. Let's get a... What's that? Yeah. You didn't think this was going to happen when you came to church this morning, did you? You just never know what, what's going to happen. So I don't want to rush you. I, I want everyone to get a chance for, for this. Should have had more bags, more spoiled fish. All right, so corrupted. So the corrupted talk that can come out of our mouths can be compared to spoiled fish. So imagine, just imagine, okay, do not do this, but imagine if you ate the, the spoiled fish, what that would do to your stomach. Okay, so you can compare that to corrupted talk that comes out of our mouth. Some of you are like getting out your, yeah, your hand sanitizer, yeah. There wasn't any fish juice on the outside, I assure you, but uh, imagine what corrupted talk, spoiled fish kind of talk that's coming out of our mouths is going to do to the spirit, the soul of another person that, that takes that in. And so what Ephesians 4.29 is telling us is let, let none of that come out. It's interesting that he says, don't, don't let it come out. It's assuming that it's there, because it's there, isn't it? Okay, I mean, for all of us, we have words that are in there, and he says, don't let them come out. That's what we are to not do. And the setting where this is most difficult and where it is most important is when we get into conflicts with other people. That's probably where we're most likely to say words that are damaging to, to the other person. So we'll talk more about that in a few minutes. So don't do this. Don't let the corrupt talk come out of your mouth. Do this. It goes on to say, do this. But only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion. So we are to not let the corrupting talk come out of our mouths, but we are to say words that are building, that build others up. We are to choose words that build. 
So interesting, there, there's a different way to translate the, the word occasion. It can also be translated as need. So give words that are building according to the need. So a good question to ask in any particular conversation that we're in, particularly, again, when we're in a conflict situation, it's good to just ask the question, what is the need right now? What is the need that the other person has? Maybe the other person has a need for encouragement. Maybe they're feeling insecure. Maybe they're feeling invalidated even by us as we're talking. Maybe the other person has a need right now that I can speak a word that encourages them and builds them up. Maybe the need at any given moment is the need to build trust. Maybe trust has been broken between myself and another person, and so I need to speak words to rebuild that trust, even to say, I'm, I'm sorry, I recognize I did something that really broke our trust, and I, I want that to be different. I want that to change, so I'm not, I'm not entirely sure how to go about that right now, but I just want to communicate to you that I want to rebuild our trust. It could be that the need in a particular situation is, is to kind of pull back and see a bigger mission that is going on. Sometimes we get into a conversation with another person and we're all just about what's going on in our tiny little world and you and me, and we're not drawing back and saying there's a bigger mission going on. Maybe uh, I'm having a conversation with someone in my family and we're just arguing over something that we're going to do or where we're going to go to eat, and we need to draw back and say, you know what? This month, we had an extra expense, and so we need to save some money. We need to go to a place that's less expensive to go out to eat, or maybe we just need to eat at home. Sometimes we need to draw back, and the need in the situation to build up the family and the relationships is to point out a bigger mission that, that's going on. So uh, we, we want to choose words that build up. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So you and I have the power uh, at any given moment to bring death through, through that rotten fish, corrupted kind of talk, or we can bring life. We can bring encouragement. We can build up. Mark Twain said, I can live for two months on a good compliment. You know, you know the power of encouragement. You've probably experienced it yourself. And, and I want to just take a, a moment here to say this, this applies in every way that we use our words, Okay. Not just verbal. I mean, it starts with verbal, but it also goes for written words because we're writing more and more words to each other now, aren't we? I mean, we're, we're sending messages, we're sending texts, we're posting things on social media. What we're talking about here this morning, letting no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, we could also say, let no corrupting talk come out of your fingertips. So if you think about the way you're communicating with somebody via text, or what you're posting on social media. I want to encourage you to be, be even more careful about those communications for two reasons. One is when you're communicating with someone in written form, they cannot see, they cannot hear your voice inflection. There is no inflection. They cannot see your body language. There is autocorrect. So you need to watch out for autocorrect. I mean, there's, there's different things going on. Also, you should consider that anything you send to someone in a text or post on social media is permanent. Even if it goes up on something that is going to vanish in you know, a short amount of time, you should consider it permanent because you know what? When somebody sees that on their phone, they can take a picture of it and they can keep it 
forever. So you should be careful about what you're saying to say, I want to be sure that my words are building. I want to choose words that build instead of words that tear down because, you know, there's, a, there's an archive that people can go back to. And you want that archive to be filled with positive things. We want to choose words that, that build. So we want to ask the question, and this, this takes effort, when you're, especially when you're in the middle of a conflict and you're kind of all charged up. It takes effort to stop and say, okay, what is needed right now? And, and then what's the best way to deliver it? I mean, so, sometimes it's not in written form. Sometimes, I, I don't know if you realize this or not. Some of you may not know. This actually has a phone function on it. You can actually talk to people through this device, too, like with your voice. You, you can do that. Um, and sometimes you actually even need to just have a face-to-face conversation with somebody, depending on what the topic is. Don't rush too fast to do it in writing. All right, so... Do not do this. Stay away from the corrupting talk. Don't let it come out. Um, Use words, choose words that build instead. And then why? What's the motivation behind why we would do this? We find that at the end of Ephesians 4.29. That it may give grace to those who hear. So some of you may not have been here this last month. We've talked a lot about grace. And a simple definition of grace is just undeserved unmerited favor. I mean, the very definition of grace is that it's not anything that they deserve. And so if you think about being in a conflict with somebody and you're talking, you're using words, it may well be that at any given moment that other person does not deserve for you to share a building word with them. Maybe what they deserve is for you to tell them how it is and for you to convince them how wrong they are. That may be what they deserve, but we're exhorted here to give grace, to give what is not deserved. And so we want to use our words to build up, to choose words that build. This is all about moving from being me-centered to being focused more on that other person, to being other-centered, to realize what do they need. It's not about, it's, it's laying down my demand that I get what I want or that I get across what I want to get across. It's thinking about what the other person needs and elevating them and lifting them up. And in order for us to be able to do that, we, we need to be Christ-centered first. We, we go back to what we talked about in September, if you were here. We, we use the acronym JOY. Jesus first, others next, and then yourself last. So in order for us to be able to put others ahead of ourselves, we need to put Jesus first. We need Jesus to change our hearts. And so what we find in Matthew 15, Jesus made a a connection between the heart and our words. He said what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. Jesus said, out of the overflow of our hearts, our mouth speaks. And so if we want our speech to change, it's going to take more than just willpower. It's going to take more than you just making a decision when you get up tomorrow morning. I'm just going to choose building words today. You, You need a heart change, and you need a relationship with Jesus to be able to do that so that we can choose words that build. So, so 
um, for the next couple of minutes, we, we want to just teach you, I want to teach you something very practical. I'm going to ask my wife Sherry to come up here, and we want to just teach you a practical way that this works out in, in our relationships, in, in how we can speak building words instead of uh, words that tear down. So this is a uh, skill and a technique that we teach to pre-married couples when we meet with them, and we use it ourselves. And so why don't you talk so about So the card that is up, and they're on everybody's seats as well, it's called the speaker-listener technique. And one thing that's great about the speaker-listener technique is, is that a lot of times when you're in conflict with another person or you're in a disagreement, um, one person is at the other person all the time, nah, 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 you know, trying to get their point made, and the other person often withdraws. They're quiet, they're removed, they're distant. Or another thing that happens is, is one person has something to say and then the next person speaks louder or faster or you know, more intense and you just keep on escalating. And neither one of those you know, patterns really are productive. It doesn't work. And so the speaker-listener technique is great because it just creates a safe environment where both people get to talk and both people take turns listening. And we have found it to be very, very helpful. It's not you know, super natural thing to do. Um, but what it does is it helps you decide to say, you know, all, another thing that happens is, is that you'll be in a conflict and one person's talking and the whole time you're thinking about what you're going to say. You're just, you're building up your argument, you're building up your defense. Is, and that, you're, is yeah. that what you do Sometimes when I'm I talking? That's yeah. <laughs> probably what I'm doing when you're talking. So you're thinking the whole time of what you're going to say and you're not really listening. So the speaker-listener technique helps us to listen to each other. And the goal of it is, is to be heard. You know, the goal is not that we're going to make a decision or maybe even solve our conflict. The goal is, is that I'm going to leave feeling heard. And when I feel heard by Dave, then I feel cared about. And the goal is for you to feel heard. And when you feel heard that I've understood what's important to you, then you feel cared about. And then, as we do that, we'll get to make the, the decision later on. Um, this is not natural. This is something that we don't naturally do. There's only one phase in life or one time in life where we naturally do that, and that is, is with toddlers. So like a little you know, two-year-old is learning to talk, and their words aren't clear, and they're not pronouncing very well. And so we'll get down, you know, and we'll get face level with that toddler, and we'll look at them, and we'll say, Oh, so you want milk? And we repeat. Because, because they just said, uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, that, yeah. and so we look down at them, and we get on their face level, and we, and we repeat back to them what we think that they said. And so um, that's that speaking back and, and rephrasing to them. But after that, after we start, you know, communicating better and understanding each other, we don't naturally do this. So it's not something that's going to come natural to you. But as you practice it, um, we have really found it to be helpful. So. And I should just say, too, I mean, we're modeling this, obviously, as a, as a married couple. But it works in any relationship. It works, you know, it would work with someone at work. If they were agreeable to do it, you should get their buy-in before you try to do that. It works with, with your kids. In fact, we, we train our kids to do this. And they, they love it. Not. They, they don't. But, uh, but we're trying to train them some skills that a lot of people don't have as they're growing up. But, so it works in any relationship. We're just going to model it uh, in marriage here today. So, um, so yeah, we're, we picked a topic um, 
And the first time that, that we talked about this topic was the first service, so you are getting the same topic again. But and let's watch. Yeah, yeah so it, we want to go through the rules of the speaker-listener technique, and this is on your card. Yeah, so, um, so if you pick that up, so you, each, each person plays a role, and, and then you get to switch the role. So first, let's just say I might be the speaker first. The rules for me is to speak for myself, uh, don't mind read. So in other words, I'm not trying to figure, when I'm talking, I'm really talking about how I'm feeling, what's going on for me, not like, well, I just know that the reason why you don't want to do this is because of da 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 you know, and I'm trying to figure out, get inside of her head. That's not what this is. This is about, I'm feeling this way about this situation and that sort of thing. Um, keep your statements brief. Don't go on and on. So if you go, if you tend to talk a lot, and, and you may like, feel like you're gonna just go on for the next 10 minutes. I mean, the other person, that's a lot for the other person to take in. So you should keep it kind of short so that it, they can kind of grasp what's going on. And then stop and let the, the, the listener paraphrase back what they heard. So the rules for the listener are that the listener paraphrases what they heard. And what that means is, is that you're just putting into own, your own words what you feel like they said. Don't be a parakeet and say exactly, you know, word for word, but say what you feel like their, their main point was, and then the, just focus on their message and don't rebut. This is not your time for you to make your point, for you to get your message across. You're going to have your turn later. You're just being a listener. So. And then the rules for both is that the speaker has the floor. So we'll oftentimes use like a card like this or even some object. We know the rules enough now. It's helpful if you have the card and you can take those with you uh, so that you have those rules in front of you. So the speaker has the floor and keeps the floor while the listener is paraphrasing. Um, and then you need to share. So you always got to share and don't just hog it yourself. So. Okay. So we picked a topic already that yeah. we wanted to talk about. Okay, so yeah, so just to give you a little background on this, is this has to do with uh, our plans for vacation next year. Uh, so we've, uh, we have gone to the same spot for six or seven years uh, as a family. We go, go to Chincoteague, Virginia, to the beach uh, for a week. And so uh, this last year when we were there, uh, Sherry introduced the idea that we should maybe do something different. And so we said, we need to have a floor conversation. Whenever some topic comes up and, and we know it's, it could get a little heated, we're like, I think we need to have a uh, floor conversation about that so we know there's something coming. So I said, we need to have a floor conversation about this. So, um, so I will just say that um, you know, we, we have a history of going to Chincoteague. We've made a lot of memories there. It's kind of a tradition to go back there. So we have all of our favorite spots and that's what I really like about it. Like we have our favorite ice cream place that we like to go to often. We have like favorite restaurants. Uh, we rent bikes and we ride around. And so we just kind of know that it just feels good to kind of come back to something that is familiar. Mm -hmm. So you want to go back to Chincoteague again because it's familiar to you. And you know the places you like and you know the things that you like to do there. And so there's just this, um, good feeling for you about going back and, and it being familiar. Yeah, including the, the grocery store that we'd like to go to and we can ride our bikes to and it smells like fried chicken all the okay. time. I like that. <laughs> it's good. Um, and Because I, I, I also am thinking about the fact like our kids are getting older, their lives are going to start to change and so they may not be coming on vacations with us uh, you know, at some point in the future, probably won't. And so I think I want to, I just want to keep kind of sending these roots deep 
so that we keep building on this tradition so that they really have that memory as they start to go off in, in life. Okay, so um, you're thinking that as our children grow up, they won't maybe spend as much time vacationing with us, so you want to keep this the same because you want to build bigger, I mean, deeper memories or about this particular place and it just be this rooted memory for our family. Right, right. Okay. Um, the root, one of the reasons why we liked Chincoteague is, is because it's so simple. There's just so, it, there's no boardwalk, and so it's just this very simple, homey kind of place to be. And um, there's not a lot to do. And so we've done it all. I'm like tired. <laughs> there's nothing else to do. I'm tired of going there, and we, there's, yeah, we've done it all. Okay, so you're saying uh, we have, we've exhausted everything there is to do at Chincoteague, uh, and so you're just kind of bored with, with that. Yeah, I'm bored with it a little bit. And my thought is is that if our children are getting older and in the future they may not be vacationing with us, then I want to spend time choosing some other vacations to do. Like I want to experience other things with them while they are still vacationing with us rather than just keep on going to the same place all the time and be bored. Okay. Yeah, how do you really feel? So, uh, you would like, you, you feel like, by the same token, that our kids are growing up and, and going to be doing different things, that you would like to actually experience different things yeah. with them while we had the chance to do that and yeah. build new memories. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think another factor for me and why, why I would like to go back to Chincoteague is that it's just, it's just a known um, thing. So it's like, to me, it's a risk to go to a different place and spend a lot of money, you know, potentially for something where we may, we may go there. Like, we know when we go to Shinkatee, we'll come back rested because we just, because we don't do a whole lot. And so, <laughs> so I like that. And so I'm afraid if we go someplace and we spend a lot of money and we come back and we're exhausted, we're like, oh, that was, that was a terrible vacation, then we've, we've kind of wasted that opportunity. Okay, so what I hear is, is that maybe you're a little bit nervous or scared about going someplace different because there's a risk involved. We don't know that we'll have fun. We don't know that we'll like it. And you know that you know that you like Chincoteague and you like for it to be relaxing. Yeah. Okay. Um, so last year we had um, from my mom this gift, this opportunity to go to Disney. And it was busy, 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 crazy. And people go to Disney oftentimes, multiple times, and there's always things to do, right? Mm -hmm. When you go to Disney and there's different places mm -hmm. you can stay and going to Disney. There's nothing else that we can do <laughs> at Chincoteague um, that we haven't already done. Um, and so I guess what's important to me is, is that we figure out a way that maybe we can do both. Maybe we could do a little bit of Chincoteague, but we could explore new things, and maybe it wouldn't be like a whole week where we would risk a whole week of vacation or something like that. I want to just figure out a way that maybe we could do both. Okay, so you're, uh, again, you're feeling like we've exhausted Chincoteague, and you're just wanting some new things, so, but you're thinking maybe we can do a, kind of a balance of having a little bit of the relaxing 
ness of Shinkatigue, but then balance that with doing some, some new things that are a little bit more interesting and fresh. Right. Yeah, okay, all right. So that gives you kind of an idea. We could go back and forth. Obviously, we didn't reach a conclusion on that, but as you said, that, yeah. that's not really the, the goal. The goal is, is not at this time to make a decision. The goal is, is to feel like that we both were heard and that we both know what's important to each other, and then we'll make an, a, an appointment to come back another time and maybe brainstorm. You know, we'll brainstorm, okay, what are ways where we can um, have a consensus together. Mm -hmm. and accomplish so. both of those things. So okay. stay tuned, we'll let you know. Yeah, 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 <laughs> right. All right, well thank you, Sherry, for coming. Isn't she great? <laughs> so I wanted you to get a chance to hear from her because she's, she's great. So um, one note that I want to make on this is as we talk about going into the holidays and being around people that may be a little bit difficult, I mean, don't expect that you're, you're going to bring this with you, like to your Thanksgiving lunch, crazy Uncle Harry, hey, I just learned this new skill, let's sit down and talk about it, and th that's not the point of this. This is really to kind of help build our relationships that, that we're close to, but also I will say this, you can apply some of this in just a normal conversation uh, with, with somebody that, that is getting tense, um, you can actually apply this listening skill to help them feel like they are, are being heard. Because, I mean, sometimes they're sharing something. Actually, I find this really useful sometimes because sometimes people will say something and, and it's just like totally off the wall. None of you, this has never happened here. But somebody will say something and I'm like, wow, I do not know what to say right now. What you can always do is reflect back to them what they said, and it can even help you understand better what they said, give you time to process it, think about it, um, kind of lower the anxiety level, especially if you're at that, you know, holiday gathering and somebody's starting to get charged up a little bit, you can just, you can reflect back to them. Don't expect them to do that for you, that's okay. But you can do that for them and maybe make your holidays just a little bit better. So, so don't do this. This is all an application of Ephesians 4.29. Don't do this. Don't let corrupting talk come out of your mouths, the spoiled fish. They're in there. Keep it inside of you, okay? Don't let it come out. But what you do want to let come out, do this. Let building words come out. Choose words that build. And why? Because we want to give grace to each other as we ourselves have received grace. And in order to be able to do that, we need a heart change. We need Christ to change our hearts. So I hope maybe this will be a little bit helpful for you as you head into your holidays. Next week, we're going to talk about forgiveness. And before we leave this topic, uh, we're, we're going to just play a song for you with the words on the screen. And it's all about this idea that we've talked about here in Ephesians 4.29. So as you listen to this, uh, maybe just make this your prayer, that the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart would be pleasing in God's sight. Take a listen.